Smoking Snake Podcast. This is episode 76 of the only English language podcast all about the Brasileirao, Brazilian football in general. I'm your host, Peter, joined as always by Anrik. And we have uh, two match weeks here uh, in the first division of Brazil. And we're going to talk about the dramatic conclusion of the, the second division. Um, but before we dive all into this, let's say hi to Anrik. Enric, what's going on, man? I know you've been watching a ton of football, Serie B, Serie A, European stuff. I know I saw the groups came out today for, for the Euros. Albania's in there. Uh, what's going on and uh, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good. I mean, football is something that not only me, but you like as well. So I think it is a wonderful time to watch games as much as possible. Brasilera is almost ending in about a week or so, so... Yeah. This is the time to enjoy it, and we're going to be stuck with almost nothing until the Copinha starts in next year. So I think one more match week or two in Brazil is definitely uh, enjoyment as of now. But other than that, how was your week? How are you, are you doing? It's good, man. It's, it's kind of crazy that the, the season is going to be ended on Wednesday. Next Wednesday, it's going to be the last day of uh, the rest of the season. All our answers are going to be uh are going to be answered and all our questions will be answered and um i'm really looking forward to that episode there we'll we'll sit down and we'll we'll listen back through our predictions and compare them to reality so um that's been on my brain a lot and i know we've been right about a few things but i know we've been a little wrong about much more so uh really excited for that uh but before we get ahead of ourselves we've still got two more match weeks to go we're going to review uh the the most recent two match weeks as well that's 35 and 36 um ferocious relegation battle uh drama at the top um and even more drama behind the scenes um so enric let's start off with probably the biggest story of the match week and of the season uh we've been talking about it and i think things are pretty much locked in and confirmed the downfall of botafogo is almost complete one of the biggest bottle jobs in recent memory. People say Arsenal last year, but I don't think, I mean, Palmeiras are no Manchester City. And uh, this is this is really painful. John Textor even came out recently in the last few days and said, hey, this is painful. Uh, there were mistakes made on referees part, our part, but the thing here is this is just a really, really painful process. Two more draws against Santos and Corjiba in these two match weeks. Uh I think they're done. I think their season's over with, and I think their body language is uh, is kind of concurring with that. Yeah, definitely Botafogo's season is over, uh, as it has been ever since they tied to Rebel Bragancino. I think that's the, the match that definitely let everything go and meant that the leadership was no longer in their hands. And looking at those two results, exactly 1-1 against Santos and Coichiba, and pretty much... Uh, pictures that or results that sum up Botafogo's season so far starting it in a good way scoring in first half 
despite some obstacles, maybe getting some red cards here and there, still uh, doing good for a very long time until the 90th minute starts or until match week 33 and after comes in. So uh, it's difficult for fans, for players, and for John Texer as well. He is the owner of uh, Crystal Palace and Lyon and some other clubs, I believe, in Belgium. And it seemed like in 2023, he put all his eggs in one basket and therefore helping, trying to help as much as possible Botafogo, the Brazilian side, and thinking that this could be the year that they can win a championship. And look at them now. They're just repeating what uh, Dortmund and Arsenal did last season uh, in Europe. So it's very, very sad. Uh, the game against Santos, it seemed like Botafogo wasn't a good run. They were attacking many places and despite scoring first with Danilo Barbosa's header uh, which by the way comes from a set piece something that we've been discussing before uh, something that Santos struggles a lot with we concede but then uh, after a couple chances by Lucas Lima and Messias uh, clearance to avoid the 2-0 uh, it's the man Soteldo who once again creates something out of nothing uh, and gives uh, Messias the assist for the goal uh, something that happened back in when we played Corinthians as well, the 1-1, it was Soteldo that got that penalty kick. And be because of him, we were able to get one point. But other than that, very devastating loss of points for Botafogo, which could have had three instead of one. Yeah, Soteldo, definitely a difference maker. He's not always up there in goals or assists, um, but a difference-making, impactful player. And, and we do get the draw there with Botafogo, but really the more crushing draw for Botafogo was the draw against Coritiba empty stadium. The birds were making so much noise um, and uh, just, uh, just a trash game. And Enric, you've got on the, the, uh, the shared doc here. That's just, this is just emblematic of their whole season. Carlos Eduardo, an early red card. They got lucky that, uh, Jemerson from, from Kurochiba was dumb enough to also get another red card. Two dumb reds, bad challenges. Um, and really, it, it just goes down to um, just losing focus. They scored in the last, last minute. Carlos Alberto, Alberto dragged down. Chiquinho steps up for the penalty, scores. They think it's all over. Uh, at this point, Palmeiras had drawn with Fortaleza. They thought maybe the, the championship was still on. Um, and they totally lost sight of it. And again, you could say, hey, they scored in the 98th minute when there was only supposed to be five minutes of added time, but you've got to stay focused. They conceded a bad goal in the 98th minute or, or thereabouts, and and it's just a really hard lesson for them to learn. Um, just, just, again, folding their fourth uh, draw in a row. Um, we've said it for weeks now, but not the mentality, not the team of of champions and uh they're gonna get what they deserve which is which is nothing um i just want to really quickly read a quick tweet uh a friend all things brazil or south south talk on uh on twitter uh had a great tweet what really sums up the just disaster of a season botafogo had uh they won their 15 of their first 19 league games and since the turn they've only won three of the last 15 games uh they were winning 3-0 against Palmeiras, winning 3-1 against Gremio, ended up losing both those games, conceded in the 96th versus Red Bull Bragoncino, 90th to Santos, and now 98th, excuse me, 99th minute 
equalizer to Kurochiba. Dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. Not the stuff of champions. And uh, they're not going to be champions. Exactly. And if anything, in my opinion, teams like Botafogo or any t- club, not only in Brazil, but throughout the world, if they want to know how they will perform in a match, a specific match, all they need to do is just look back and the result that they got back in match week 17, I believe, when I believe they won 4-2 against Coritiba at home. We watched that game together and it was one of their first matches that Botafogo had conceded in their home stadium since match week one. So that should have been a wake-up call. And given that Coritiba is playing basically for nothing, they would have loved to cause some horror to Botafogo team, something that... Uh, Rebel Bragancino or Fortaleza is actually doing at the moment, which we'll be talking about soon. So uh, a 1-1 draw, both red cards were horrible tackles by each player, especially uh, Hammerson getting the heel or the back heel of the opposite player. And then the same thing, I believe, similarly from uh, Carlos Eduardo. So again, you mentioned the goal by Chiquinho, very, very late. Uh, Coritiba tied. There were players praying all over the place, Adrielson, Lucas Perry, right before yes. Chiquinho took that pen, and basically they gave it all away. And yeah, it's very, very sad. 1-1. I mean, Palmeiras, I think, will would have won this championship anyways, even if Botafogo had won this game. But to end up like that, at least show some spirit, at least show your fans that we achieved everything uh, because of this is how we play. And despite some bad results at the end, we're still going to end up as a competitive squad and it seems like they've let their owner and their fans down in all ways possible. Yeah. And it's just the pressure. I don't, I don't, I mean, now I think, I think we, you called it a while ago. I think this was lost, you know, weeks and weeks ago. And now that the pressure's piled on them, they can't really do anything. Right. Uh, but they're not alone in kind of coughing up some, some serious points. Red Bull Bragancino, we praise them a ton and they spent a good portion of the season in second uh, four losses and a draw in their last five, clearing the way for other teams uh, that we're going to get to, but especially Palmeiras pushing three points clear now um, and uh, really looking like the, the obvious favorites here to go on and win. Uh, just a really quick note here on Palmeiras. Uh, news coming out this weekend um, or maybe during the week, Abel Ferreira possibly on his way out, negotiating with Saudi club al Sadd. Um, so the rest of the round looks primed to lose another coach, another Portuguese coach, actually, to uh, the Saudi League. Um, and Voivoda and Pedro Cachinha, the coach of Red Bull Bragancino, uh, kind of being floated as the replacements. Leila Pereira will be scrambling, and, and those are going to be uh, big shoes to fill, especially as we have uh, Paulista, uh, Arnie, in uh, January. Uh, but let's look at uh, another team that has really been pushing and pushing and pushing. We've criticized them for being inconsistent, but they are back up in the top tier of the rest of the rallies. We're talking about Galo, Atletico Monero. And if you look at the table from the second half of the season, they are sitting pretty. They are in first place, uh, 36 points in 17 games. Um, They've been doing great since the middle of the season. And, couple of 3-0 wins over Flamengo and Gremio, two huge competitors, have seen them get all the way up to third now. Yeah, I mean, what a result uh, this team has been getting. Last year when we began the podcast, one of the things that 
we used to talk about every week was what's happening with Gallo? What's happening with Gallo? Can Gallo come back? Because they're always positioned seventh, eighth, sort of what Fluminense and Atletico Paranaense are going through. But Fluminense already won a championship, so it doesn't really matter. But Atletico Mineiro this season has been very, very good, especially, as you mentioned, the second half. Uh, you mentioned the uh, loss against Flamengo 3-0, which, or the win against Flamengo 3-0 away from home which is really good. Uh, it's back in match week 17, they lost that one barely. They were leading for so long. And I think Everton, uh, Cebolinha and somebody else, Arascaeta, I believe scored two quick goals at the end and won this match. But ever since then, uh, Atletico Mineiro has only lost three games in Serie A. Uh, the most recent one was the Mineiro Derby against Cruzeiro, which came in the 90th minute, 1-0 on goal. So this just explains how this team has really taken off, especially with the arrival of uh, Scolari. Maybe he is the game changer, but the players they have, the goal scorers, Matias Zoratro, Hulk, that has been very, very uh, good this season, and especially Paulinho. I think they're doing everything possible to give the championship a try, and who knows, maybe they can win it all. It would be really incredible. And and you mentioned, I mean, could they win Palmeiras? face Fluminense and they face Cruzeiro. So you think that that is an easy victory over Cruzeiro, uh, but uh, Atarco Mineiro's path, uh, there are three points behind right now. Sao Paulo, who haven't been playing well, and Bahia, relegation threatened Bahia, uh, much more easy opponents, you'd think, especially given current form. Um, so who knows, something crazy could happen. It would be just... I mean, the perfect cap to a chaotic uh, Brasileirao. But like you said, Atletico Mineiro steaming on ahead. And I want to just circle back to the Clash versus Flamengo. Huge win, great win for them. Um, much more efficient in their chance taking. But a lot of the commentary in the lead up to the match was uh, about Filipao and his contrast with Chiche, um, the, the coach of Flamengo. Um, you know, in the early 2010s, uh, Filipao commanded Palmeiras. Chiche, of course, the, the Corinthians man, the winner of the, the Club World Cup in Libertadores um, and Syria. It's just, it just He's an icon there. Um, and all the shit talking between the two. There were sh several shouting incidents, um, you know, going back and forth in the media, a la, you know, Mourinho and Wenger or Mourinho and everyone. <laughs> Uh, but really a heated rivalry. And it was a really nice moment to see them uh, not make up, but, you know, embrace before the game. Um, and a lot of the Brazilian media was uh, was talking about that. So two Titans uh, meeting, and uh, in, in this case, Filipe uh gets the better here. Um, Paulinho, we don't really need to go into him. He's incredible. Uh, top scorer now. And possible, people are saying, might be the crack of the competition. Uh top player possibly you know you could say a bunch of other players but no one really uh maybe Chiquinho uh but no one's really had the impact that he's had um and again Atletico Mineiro putting themselves in a really great position something crazy could happen but again I think Palmeiras uh firmly in control here all right so we talked about it already Palmeiras drawing with Fortaleza uh um, a bit of a surprise result, uh, especially given the the red card for Palmeiras. But again, 
we've talked about how Botafogo are not. They don't have the mentality. They don't have the the results of a championship team. This is what a championship team looks like. Red card and scoring two goals after the red card. What more can you say? Uh, but Fortaleza doing their bit. They held Palmeiras to a point and they ended up getting the win over Red Bull Bragancino. So taking some big points off the big boys. Yeah, and the red card, I mean, that should have been Fortaleza's three points in the pocket, but Palmeiras never giving up and playing away from home. And the Castilla, we always mention how difficult it is to score in the stadium. And they scored two with one man down. I mean, Palmeiras is just destined to win this competition and looking how uh, Botafogo choked the lead for so long. Now they look at this opportunity as a golden one. Maybe before the Libertadores semifinal, they had other motives, but ever since they've gotten out and lost to Boca Juniors, they've serious, taken this job seriously and they really want to get at least the one championship or one title in this in this year. So I think they can do it. 2-2 uh, didn't really hold them back, uh, given how Botafogo tied two games in a row. But uh, Fortaleza, uh, surprising once more in another stadium, which is very, very difficult to win in Rebel Bragancino, uh, scoring two in the first half, conceding a late one uh, by Eduardo Sasha. But then two red cards from Red Bull sort of helped Fortaleza carry through this result. And uh, Bragancino still didn't want to give up with nine men. They were attacking as if they had 11 v 11 and it's just surprising how teams play like that you could see the fortaleza players holding the ball at the corner edge and waiting as much as possible for the time to be over but uh, at the end they get the three points and really important ones as Raul Bragancino seemed to sort of lose motivation from the title race ever since they tied to botafogo Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, and again, I credit a lot uh, to Juan Pablo Voivoda. Um, good squad actually with Fortaleza. You don't get to the Sudamericana without, um, without a good squad. But again, I think the magic there is Juan Pablo Voivoda. I really wanted him at Santos. It's possible that he might go to Palmeiras now, which would be, I think a, a really hard thing to, to swallow. And, I think it, should he go there, if Abel Braga or excuse me, Abel Ferreira leaves, um, I think Palmeiras will still be a top top team, uh, challenging for Tom titles and being as dominant as they are for for a few more years to come, or at least until he uh, he leaves because he's really fantastic. Um, all right, but Enric, a lot of the drama is coming at the bottom end of the table. Four teams. I think probably feel very threatened. You could argue Corinthians uh, after a, a big loss to Bahia might've been feeling a little more threatened, but I think right now the four that we just don't know who is going down Vasco, Bahia, Cruzeiro and Santos um, different situations for a lot of these teams. Um, but the scenario remains the same 45, 44 points. I think We'll do it this year. That's kind of what's been talked about. Um, and it's really getting down to the wire. So let's start with Vasco da Gama. Uh, two match days. Uh, they get one point drawing with Atletico, Atletico Monero, or excuse me, Atletico Paranaense. Um, and then losing at home to Corinthians, um, despite leading early. Um, 
what do you think about Vasco? What do you think their chances are? And, you know, the, I, I think you and I both agree that we're pulling for them. Uh, they're a historic team with one of the biggest supporter bases in Brazil. And I think the Brasileirao Serie A is always a better place when Vasco da Gama is in the league. Going back to the points that you mentioned that a team needs to get in order to survive, uh, it's always been 45 for the past decade or so. But I think this season, looking at how these lower side teams are performing, it might be higher. It might be 46, 47. I'm not sure. It's a difficult task for all those teams. And given the four, I think Santos don't really have a chance of getting relegated. I think we've kind of survived that unless we lost, we lose our next two games by, let's say, three or four goals, which is very unlikely. But comparing the other three, Vasco, Bahia, and Cruzeiro, uh, Vasco has a great chance of surviving uh, despite getting some poor results at the end. And given that who they play in the next two games, it's going to be very, very tough for them to survive. But these two results, looking at them, they're not too bad, especially the draw against Atletico Paranaense. Uh, they get a point away from home, but then they play on Tuesday, uh, score two goals against Corinthians in ho- at home and sort of choke it after. The Corinthians always wanted to come back. Whenever Vasco scored, they equalized with Angel Romero. Uh, then Vegetti scored and Angel Romero got another goal, both headers, by the way. And then in the second half, Corinthians said, well, if we score two, why not? We can even score more. And they pretty much did that. They got one with Moscardo. What a shot that was by this youngster. There's rumors of him moving to Europe soon, which are probably very likely. And then Giovanni, uh, the 94th minute counterattack, uh, set the end of this match. And Corinthians get the three points away from home. Very, very surprising. Uh, the situation is not good for Vasco. And they seem like they're probably going to go down because they played two very tough teams, as I mentioned earlier. And yeah, it's a very, very difficult tasks for them. And not only for them, it's also bad for Bahia. Um, a great result that they got uh, away from home last week. But the next one is not the most convincing one. So it's always there, the question of who's going to survive and who's going to get relegated. Yeah, and going back to Vasco really quickly, you you uh, kind of tease their next two opponents, but it's Gremio away and Red Bull Bragancino at home, two sides in the top end of the table um, that are going to be really tough. Um, both sides that are 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 um, coming off some some big beatings from from other top teams, and they'll be looking to to crush um, what they see as a minnow for Vasco, uh, but Vasco can call upon a pretty decent record here in pretty good form. Uh, again, in the second half of the table, or second half of the season, they've actually got the six most points, uh, 26 points in 17 games. So uh, you would l- think that they would continue this, this hot run of form they've had in the second uh, half of the season. But like you said, it's really going to be tough. Um, they have some tough opponents. Uh, in their last two games and um the, the, you know Bahia are going to be coming up behind them uh they got the big win against Corinthians and they play America uh the, the in the basement of uh of the Brasileirao in in the next match week and then they'll have to play Gallo uh at home so um 
two teams, I think, or two games that are going to be very different for Bahia, uh, but two two games that you could possibly see them losing both, in which case Santos fans and Bosco fans will all breathe a sigh of relief. Um, so still these two teams, there's a lot to play for. Um, and, you know, it, it could have been if Corinthians got a big win that we would know by now, but Bahia staying strong, mentally strong, and three points in, in two match weeks, that's that's not too bad uh, for a team that's threatened with relegation like Bahia. Um, now, a team that's really done a great job uh, of uh, kind of was in a free fall uh, for a little bit and has clawed some points back, including a sensational uh, goal to equalize against Atletico Monero, Atletico Parnense, second time I've done that today, um, and an, an even later goal, I think, uh, against to get the win for Goyas. Um, Cruzero, four points in these past two match days, winning against Goyas and drawing against Atletico Monero. Um, 45 points in 14th place. I think they are going to be feeling very good about themselves, but they will have to play Botafogo away from home and they'll have to play Palmeiras in the last game of the season. So two really tough opponents. I wouldn't count on any more points. So Cruzeiro fans will be hoping and praying that 45 is enough to get them across the line. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, they probably knew that this was going to come. So if they wanted to get points, it had to be in these last two matches. The game against Goyas, they really struggled. They created chances. And Goyas, uh, they also needed the points because they also wanted to avoid relegation, which didn't happen before that. So I think both teams wanted to score. And it took so long until Cruzeiro finally got that winner in the 96th. But then the match that they played against Atletico Paranaense at home... That was different. Uh, it was a match at home, uh, especially by having their own fans there compared to Coritiba that hasn't been playing with fans. And they end up conceding the first one by their former player, Vitor Roque. Before that goal, he was getting booed by all the fans and nobody wanted him, despite basically Cruzeiro selling it, selling him to Atletico Paranaense for money in the past. It wasn't even his decision. So I don't know what they're arguing about, but him scoring in that stadium was so iconic. And he sort of apologized, which I loved. But he was also happy that his team probably had a chance to qualify for Libertadores, which, by the way, it's not going to happen for them in their <laughs> 100th uh, year of creation of the club. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. You know, it's uh, when he put his hands up, I almost thought he was going to do the John Kennedy like bear celebration. Um, that's what I, that's where my mind is going, but yeah, that it, it is crazy. And, uh, Cruzeiro fans, I think are more just upset that they let such a great player go, um, really kicking themselves. And, um, yeah, he's back. He's back after a long, long accent, uh, absence. Um, and he'll, he'll feature in the last three match weeks of this season. Um, and then it's after, off to Barcelona. So another one from the Lady X, um, and his hometown team. I mean, this is the, the team that he grew up supporting. He's from Minas. Um, and uh, it's got to be an amazing feeling. Uh, but that was not the end of the game. The new signing, again, with a pretty uh, pretty impactful injury. Mateus Pereira for Cruzeiro. Golasso in like the 90th minute or, or maybe even further. 
huge point for them. That gets them to that magic 45 number. Um, and four points, like I said, in these last two match weeks, good stuff for uh, the big crews. Yeah, definitely a good thing. And I think they had time to even get a winner. But their main striker, Bruno Rodriguez, I believe is his yep. name. Oh, the penalty, have... yeah. Yeah, he missed the penalty. Thanks for reminding me that. But I was just going to go over and say that he hasn't had a good match. And he missed many other opportunities, not only in here, but even the game against Goyas, he had two or three chances, clear ones that he could have just scored, got the ball in the back of the net. And either the goalkeepers like Tadeo or Bento were spectacular, or he was just so bad that, I mean, very terrible misses, but yeah, Cruzeiro, uh, Bahia, Vasco, and Santos are going to have to fight through these last two rounds, and let's see what can happen in the future. Who's going to get relegated? If you ask me, I would say Bahia and Vasco are going to fight with each other, but Vasco, the better team, despite playing diff more difficult opponents, I think they might have a chance of survival. And Bahia might go down, but anything can happen at this point. Even Cruzeiro, that we keep saying, is uh, pretty much saved. Who knows? As I said earlier, maybe the 46 or 47 could be the mark. And I mean, I hope they don't see themselves as a uh, survival team. Because when they play Palmeiras, I want to see them compete against Palmeiras. I want to see them beat Palmeiras to escape relegation and also make a change in the first or second spot of this league. So who knows what's going to happen. Now that would be a drum, just an incredible dramatic, like dramatic moment. Cruzeiro, the arch rivals of Atletico Monero doing them a favor on the last day of the season. That would be just sensational. Um, I wouldn't count on it though. Don't bet the house on that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, you mentioned, Santos, the concerning thing about Santos uh, is the goal difference. I think we talked about it last episode. They've got by far one of the worst goal differences. So if they're level on points, it's it's really going to be it's going to be tough. They've got to get some points out of these last two games. Uh, they're facing Atletico Parnaense away from home, which uh, we've seen they don't have the best form. So there might be something to to steal there. Um, and then they'll play Fortaleza uh, at the Villa Belmiro. So um, two games where I think they can get points, maybe, uh, if not wins, and that uh, that would get them to that 45-point mark. But like you said, depending on how these last two games go, it might be up to the wins or it might be up to the goal difference. Uh, it's really going to be uh, an exciting finish. And again, we'll know all the answers uh, come Wednesday. Um, Enric, we had a bunch of other matches uh, that maybe we just want to go through. Sao Paulo, of course, in action. Um, and really the reason I bring them up is came out this week. James Rodriguez looks to be trying to leave, trying to negotiate termination of his contract. Um, and I'm wondering, do you think if he leaves Sao Paulo, do you think he'll stay in Brazil? And if so, what's a good team for him? Botafogo? He was linked earlier. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. He was linked to Botafogo and probably Botafogo was the better team and he probably always had the door open to go there and decided to move on to Sao Paulo. And looking at his spell, he didn't have their, his one of his best years at the club and I don't think he's going to continue to play in Brazil. If he leaves, I would 
see him either go to Middle East or back to Colombia to end his career. I mean, he's in his late 30s, 30, or not late, but 31, 32, 33. Not sure about his age exactly, but yeah, I would say either Middle East or Colombia is where he's going to probably end up with you yes. Apollo. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, back to the Middle East. I mean, he was there earlier, um, I think in Qatar, um, and for whatever reason left. So I hope he stays in Brazil. He's a great name, and I think he's been decent once he's gotten sort of up to speed. I think he was out of shape to start, but you can't you can't deny that technical ability. Um, Internacional, a couple of wins over Cuiabá and Braga. Uh, Fluminense, a couple of wins over Santos and Coritiba. So... Um, some mid-table teams there picking up points. Flamengo beating America, Palmeiras beating America, uh, in in two easy games there. Yeah, some matches that we're not gonna go in depth for, but definitely important. Uh, you mentioned Fluminense, of course, they beat Santos, but they also relegated Coritiba by that result, two to one. Jose Rodriguez, the former Real Madrid player, yep. got his first goal for his team despite losing and going down. And I'm, I wonder where those players are going to end up next year. I mean, you got uh, Heze and Slimani at Curitiba. You got Vejeti with Vasco. If, if all those players end up being relegated, they're probably going to move on. Hopefully in Brazil, I still want to see him play there. But yeah, the situation is not good for them and their respective teams. Goyas also lost 2-1, I believe, yesterday or two days ago to Gremio. And with that result, it meant that they are also going to go down. So two teams joining America Minera, meaning that there's only one spot left for those teams that we mentioned earlier to go down. Yeah, and I, I keep referencing this, the second half table. Uh, can you guess who the team that's uh, in the top, the bottom four, excuse me, of the second half table? We've got the three that are relegated, America, Goyas, and Coritiba. Who do you, could you guess the fourth? Corinthians? No, Botafogo. Botafogo is the third worst team in the second half of the season. Uh, just 17 points, or 16 points in 17 games, less than a point a wow. game. Uh, so that just goes to show you. Um, all right, Enric, let's take a look, quick look at the real table. Uh, going through 36 matches, Palmeiras, of course, top three points clear. Botafogo, Gallo, and Flamengo, all those three teams on 63 points. Uh, Gremio not too far behind on 62. We've kind of gone over the uh, relegation scrap there, um, but Cruzeiro, Santos, Vasco, and Bahia all duking it out. Um, any other big movers? Uh, anything else you want to kind of call out before we uh, dive into Serie B? Yeah, I mean, in this last couple of weeks, it's just been Gremio has gone a little bit far down. Uh, they were second at one place. And the same thing goes for Rebel Bragancino. Last five games, only one draw. So not a good one on their side. But then on the other side, the relegation, uh, still, still the team's fighting for this. Uh, relegation or surviving that Corinthians, Cruzeiro, Santos, Vasco and Bahia deferring with six points. Maybe Corinthians almost uh, survived but still we have to see what happens in match week 37 and match week 38 so yeah uh, this is the table so far two weeks left and I believe our next episode should be the end of Brasileirao so 
let's see what what happens until then we got the wednesday matches which is going to be very insane but moving on to Serie B, we just had match week 38 uh, getting played last week, Saturday, I believe at 3 p.m. local time. And we had a bunch of great results and some surprises. We had Vittoria and, and Suizuma already promoted from last round. But then Atletico Goianiense, Juventude, Novo Horizontino, Mirasol, Sport Recife, and Villanova, all of those teams were fighting to get a third or a fourth spot. And Atletico Goianiense get the job done. They went 3-0 at home, beat Guarani. Tritsuma already, already promoted. They lose 2-0 against Novo Horizontino, which stays out by one point. Them, Mirasol, and Sport Recife, if they had at least, or actually just one point more in this competition, either of them would have been ahead of Juventude, or no, ahead of Sritsuma or Atletico Goianiense. So it's really sad how those teams have gone down, especially sport. They were high up that table, maybe first or second for so long, and they end up the competition seventh. They... Uh, one for one against Sampaio Correra, but that means that their hopes for getting promoted are still not there. Vitoria lose 3-1 to Chapecoense, but they already had the job done. Juventuje wins 3-1. That win gets them promoted. So yeah, that's the table so far. Uh, the surprise of the week, I think, was ABC beating Villanova 3-2. Villanova desperately needed that win. Or at least a draw, or actually no, the the win to get promoted, and they lose to a team that has been relegated three or four weeks ago. Uh, Mirasol or ABC has five wins the whole season, and they've gotten two in those last two rounds. How crazy is that? So three wins in match weeks one through thirty six, and then two more in their last two weeks to cause some trouble to Guarani and to. Uh, the team that we mentioned earlier, Villanova. So that's the table so far. Going back to our predictions back in April, my picks were for Mirasol, Chapecoense, Juventude, and Sampaio Correra to get relegated. One of them did get relegated. Uh, it was Sampaio Correra. So I'm happy with that. And the other team that I wanted to get relegated was Juventude. Somehow they made their way back to Serie A, which I'm not really a fan of, but... Peter, talk about your picks uh, back in April. <laughs> how, how are you? Wait. To be clear, we this is what we preferred, and uh, and I think I chose Botafogo, Guarani, Novo uh, Horizontino, and Mirisol. Uh, four Sao Paulo teams have nothing to do with them facing Santos and the Paulista. Um, all did not get relegated, so I'm O for four, um, but but that's okay. Um, so just to, to wrap it up, Enric, Sampaio, Correa, Tumbense, Londrina, and ABC all going down, Vittoria, Juventuji, Chrisiuma, and Atletico Goianense are all friends. The Dragons will be back in uh, Syria, um, which will be great to see. And uh, just one other thing, Chapecoense um, avoided relegation, 16th in Serie B, um, and they did it with that 3-1 win 
um, after uh, after um, on the last match day, I believe, versus Vittoria, the the, the leaders of the table. Um, incredibly, they did this on the anniversary of, or more or less, the anniversary of the horrific plane crash uh, back in 2016. So um, it was. Uh, it was probably very emotional for them, and I'm sure they were very happy to to see that happen um, and to stay up in Serie B. And of course, as always, the condolences to the victims of that and the families. Um, but I am very glad personally. I like Chapecoense. I like the badge. I like the kits, um, and I hope that that, that one day they can uh, get back to Serie A and maybe even make another run in Sudamericana like they did uh, that uh, that horrific year. Yeah, I mean. Their story is very tragic and going to Serie C is something that we don't want to see any team go through and I'm happy that they survived. But something we forgot to talk about was their promotion picks. Uh, my picks were for Vitoria, Atletico Goianiense, Sport Recife and Londrina to get up. Two of them did, Vitoria and Atletico Goianiense. One of them almost made it, Sport Recife, one point away. And then the other one is Londrina. They get relegated, the opposite of what I wanted. And your picks were pretty close too. Uh, we both guessed Atletico Guayaniense. You got Juventus right, so credits to you. Uh, I think that's the, your only prediction so far, spot on, either Serie C or Serie B, promotion, relegation, things like that. True, but again, we were just predict predicting who we wanted. <laughs> we weren't predicting for accuracy. Well, yeah, I'll take two, uh, but my other two picks got relegated, Senpaio Carrera and uh, Avese. So uh, I'll Super. take it. I'll take my small victory. <laughs> um, all right. So, Enric, looking ahead, as we record this right now, Corinthians and Internacional. Internacional just wrapped up. Uh, the last four meetings of those teams all ended up 2-2. Two -two. Uh, it was close this time, but Inter took home the 2-1 win away from home. Uh, so another L um, for Corinthians, uh, but a whole slew of other matches. Um, of course, we've got to keep our eyes on the uh, the relegation battle. Santos and Atletico Mineiro, um, uh, Bahia and America, um, Vasco and Gremio, Cruzeiro, Botafogo. Uh, big clash, Palmeiras faces Fluminense, so uh, possible some drama there. And Atletico Mineiro uh, taking on Sao Paulo. Um, so that's all the weekend games that are probably when you hear this are probably going on as uh, as you listen to this. Um, and then next Wednesday, uh, we've got 730 kickoff uh, here in the eastern time zone of the U.S., but they're all kicking off kind of on a uh, on a Wednesday, which is kind of annoying to me. Enric, I wanted to have you over and maybe watch, but it's in the middle of the, the work week, uh, which is kind of annoying. But uh, what matches are you going to be looking out for here? I mean. I think we, we need to be like a spider and have like, you know, 80 eyes or whatever it is to watch all this stuff. But I know you got the three screens going or maybe four these days. Uh, what are you watching on this last match week 38 of the Brasilia Rao? Well, I'll probably need 10 screens this time. I wish Brasilia <laughs> Rao play or anything that I can find had like a Golasso show, sort of what they do for Champions League or Europa League where you just see the best chances or the goals. I wish that's going to come to Brasilia Raw play at some point. I would love to see that because usually there's 
three or four teams playing in a weekly basis. But given the time when these matches are going to be played, I'm happy that they changed because I think when I checked back the month ago, they were meant to be played at 3.30 p.m. So I was thinking maybe taking the day off because I, I didn't want to skip any of those matches. And I'm happy they changed to 7.30, at least giving us some time to watch those matches. I'm going to mention the Santos-Fortaleza game. This is definitely a big one. And I saw a tweet by the Santos account saying that the tickets are all sold out. Now, I'm not sure if this is a good sign because maybe the fans either decided to go to this game because maybe we escape relegation or are they going because they think this is their last match in Syria in a while. Hopefully not the second option. Hopefully they're just going to avoid relegation and get the win, get the motivation uh, or players motivated and hyped up, which I hope is going to happen. But we played Fortaleza last year in match week 38, and I believe we lost 2-0 back then. So hopefully it's not the same. Uh, hopefully we get a win or a draw against Atletico Paranaense, and then things could be only for the best for Santos while playing at home. Yeah, absolutely. And and that whole match week, I mean, again, depending on what happens in 37, it's going to be really, really nerve-wracking for a lot of people. Um the championship is still up in the air. Relegation is still up in the air. Um, a lot on the line. And this is exactly what I think everyone hopes for. Everyone that is complaining about the predicting uh, or the how predictable the European leagues are uh, needs to glue their eyeballs to this match week and just take in all the excitement, all the quality, and and really enjoy it because this is something that makes the Brasilia Rao so special. Um uh, and it's by far the best league that has the lowest amount of predictability. And what more can we ask for? We've had a few uh, years where Flamengo or Palmeiras have kind of run away with it, or even Atletico Monero. Uh, this year, we still could have that depending on what happens, but uh, or at least no going in. But it's been exciting, and uh, I'm hoping for uh, you know when it's uh, seven twenty nine. Uh, that we're still not going to know who's relegated and who is going to be the champion. So that's what I'm hoping for. I'm sure it's going to be great. Um, and yeah, by the next time you hear our beautiful voices, uh, we're going to know and we'll have a full postmortem on the season, on the teams, and of course, as the results uh, of these two match weeks. So um, thanks everyone for listening so much, especially if you get to uh, this point. Kind of a shorter little episode here. We're going to see if uh, this one uh, gets more or less uh, viewers or listeners than normal. But uh, but yeah, all right, Enric, have a great night. And everyone listening, have a great night as well. <laughs>